All right, switching gears. If you got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to the book of Mark, and uh, we're talking about Christmas stories. And um, if, uh, if, you've got, uh, if you've got a Bible, great. You know, if you don't have a Bible or ushers have Bibles, uh, we'd love for you to get one uh, from them. But Mark chapter 6 is where we're going today. And uh, the idea behind uh, our Christmas series this year is just kind of capturing perspectives of, uh, of, of different, different perspectives of different people to see the Christmas story that we know um, in, in God sending His Son uh, to be born in a manger and all of that. And so, as we're talking about that through the, the weeks to come, uh, we're going to be talking about it kind of from different angles. So, you know, it's Christmas stories, but at the end of the day, it's really one Christmas story. You know, the Christmas story by itself, you know, it, 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 it doesn't change. But to be able to see it and think about it uh, in <clears throat> the vein of the different perspectives of the people that were involved at that period of time, I think is really good for us. Um, and so this morning, you know, as we think about that, uh, you know, I think, I think important for us to kind of lay some groundwork is to be reminded that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of God were waiting on a king. And at that point in time, there were so many people that, you know, they, they, had, they had kings, they kind of knew what they thought of as kings. And so when they were thinking of this king that would come, Many of them were thinking about the types of kings that they had seen in the past. You know, people, people that had uh, power over men and, um, you know, lots of riches and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, they had made up in their heads many times what they thought that king looked like. And so for us this morning, I, th- I, think, this is, I think this is good for us to kind, of, to kind of think about what were the people thinking of when they heard about and thought about this king that would come. And, and you know, you've got in the story of, of Christ coming, you've got, you know, many different people. We're going to talk about some of, the, some of the different perspectives of some of them later, so I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to ruin any of the others. But, uh, you know, we have, we have moments where, you know, some of them would go and, go and see, you know, we've got wise men, we've got shepherds, different people, that were going and seeing, you know, the Christ, and, and so this whole thing of like seeing him, and then they were told as they went away, what, what were they told? Don't, don't go tell anybody. Well, then what did they do? Well, they went and told everybody, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, the, this, this awesome picture of what God had done was something that they couldn't keep under wraps, and God knew that this was the way it was going to roll out, and so people would begin to hear, the king has come. The king has come. And this play, that plays into some really big things that we're going to talk about uh, next week even. Uh, but as the king had come, so many people were looking for what they thought was going to be this particular king that, that everybody's made up in their minds. And so, you know, it's kind of like the, the book that you read and then finally they made a movie of it and then you went and saw the movie and you're like, well, that's not what I thought that was going to be like at all. Because when I read the book, I took it to mean this, this, and this. And I thought it was going to look like that. Well, same, same kind of scenario. And the people were expecting a different kind of king. And sometimes it's because they were misinformed. But the truth is, is that many of them, probably like us, probably thought, well, nobody special is going to come from little old Nazareth. So... 
Let's just say you were a person of Nazareth. Let's just say you were a neighbor to Joseph and Mary at the time that this all went down. And the truth is, is you're talking about a situation here where you've got an unwed couple, and now she's pregnant. And this is, by the way, in a day and age where you could get stoned for such a thing, uh, you know, as, you know, having, having sex out of wedlock or whatever. And, and, you know, and so all this, and of course, you know, we know the full story that, that, that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, and so, you know, there's, a, there's all of these pieces of this puzzle. But I mean, what's the neighbors think? I mean, come on, what do the neighbors think? I mean, that's, that's the truth of it is, is that there's this constant, like, we, we, don't, we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know what's going on with them, but we know how people are around here. You know, I mean, I, I, one of the greatest things, that I, greatest joys that I find in meeting new people in this area, and I, you know, I, I can, I can kind of do this because I didn't, I didn't necessarily grow up in Pleasant View, and I grew up in Jolton, and that's kind of like its own you know, weird world over there, you know, Jolton, for all you Joltonites, I'm sorry, but you know, you know, you know, I'm right. And so, you know, but, uh, you know, when I meet people around here and, you know, and whether it be, we're just making small talk and get to talking about somebody or they find out, you know, I'm the pastor at 24, whatever, inevitably somehow in the conversation, somebody else comes up. And, and, and one of my favorite things to do in those conversations is to, is to say to them, Oh, what, what do you know about them? What can you tell me about them? Like, I love hearing those stories, you know? I love hearing the stories of people that grew up with you, you know? I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just fantastic. And sometimes it makes for great, great material for me on Sunday mornings. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, I mean, when, when you think about this, when you think about the situation that was going on in Nazareth with Joseph and Mary, you know, first of all, they, they disappeared you know, they, Joseph and Mary disappear for like two years, you know, and, and, and so then they return and they return and they got this kid and all this is going on. And I mean, let's just face it. We know people were talking. We know that they probably didn't think, you know, a whole lot about this, but then you try to get in a conversation. So let's, let's say you're getting into a conversation with Mary and you're like, well, how, you know, tell us about your baby boy. Well, he's the son of God. Okay right? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Joseph, tell me about your kid. Oh, he, <laughs> he's perfect kid. I mean, he's just great. He's just perfect. And you're like, another one of those parents thinks her kid's perfect, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where you end up. And so for a lot of people, they struggled to believe, struggled to believe in who Jesus was. And so, although we don't, have a, we don't have Scripture leading us to see exactly their responses at the time Jesus was a baby, we have Scripture of His hometown and what happened when Jesus was in His hometown a little later in His ministry. And that's Mark 6. So let's look at Mark 6. Let's see what the neighbors think of Jesus. Mark 6 verse 1 and this is again you got to keep in mind that at this point you know he's he's grown up as as a, as a, as a man and now is you know doing ministry and he's traveling around and here he is coming back to his hometown and that's where we pick up with Mark 6. Mark 6 says this verse 1 it says he went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? 
what is this wisdom, what is the wisdom given to him? So, so right off the bat, you've got a little bit of, I, I, think, there's, I think there's some rub in that with, with the people going, where did he get these things? You know, Jesus was teaching some things that were new to them, because again, you're talking about a people that had come under the law and, and thought that they, you know, they're supposed to keep the law to make God happy and make him love you and all this kind of stuff and to be saved. And, and then here's Jesus on the scene, and he's coming, he's coming with a gospel of grace and mercy and love and compassion and all these things and what God had sent him to do. And they're, and they're saying, you know, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? And then I think this is an important statement that they say here. It says, how are such mighty works done by his hands? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Now that statement in amongst the others, I think is really important because I think it, sh it helps us to see that, that in general the people of Nazareth were a people that they knew, they knew that Jesus had a capability of something special. There were capabilities of something special. Something was going on. Like they're questioning how in the world is he doing these things. And I think, that's, I think that's a huge point to be made because it helps us to kind of see, you know, it wasn't like they were clueless. It wasn't like, you know, and, and Jesus wasn't going around, you know, trying to, you know, put on a magic show for anybody. I mean, that wasn't how Jesus worked. I mean, it wasn't, it was completely unlike anybody that would have tried to have come across as a magician or a sorcerer or anything like that. I mean, this was just Jesus out helping people, healing people, you know, loving people, and then sharing the gospel. And it says in verse 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Hoses and Judas and Simon? And by Judas, this is not the Judas that betrayed him. This is one of his brothers. And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So this is quintessential, like classic small town stuff right here. This is, this is it. This is, this is what we see. We see this stuff happen. When, when something comes about, about somebody doing something or somebody got in trouble with the law or, you know, whatever, you know, we start, now who, who is that? Oh, isn't that, isn't that, uh, isn't that, isn't that Jimmy's brother? And isn't his sister, you know, Suzanne? And, you know, what, what, you know, and, and so you start, you know, start, you know, calling these people in the first service, I called Stephen Carr out and was like, you know, you know, it's like, it's like going and asking questions about Stephen Carr. I mean, you'll get all kinds of stories about Stephen Carr, you know, but you know, somebody could be like, well, isn't that Nathan's brother or Eden, Eve, his sister, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, they're, they're, they're again, small world thinking about who this person of Jesus is. They're relating it to his family and they say, and they took offense at him. They took offense at him. And it goes on, and, and Jesus makes a statement right here. Jesus makes a statement that I think is very telling of, of the climate. If we haven't picked up a little bit of it at this point, Jesus, Jesus helps to clarify it a whole lot. And it says in verse 4, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor unless in his hometown or among his relatives and in his own household. 
And, and I, don't, I don't think Jesus is just haphazardly throwing the other things in there. I think he's giving us a truth about what he's experienced. I think he's doing a both and. And, and, and he says, and a prophet, and in fact, if anything, he's owning the fact that he is somewhat of a prophet here. A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. So we're, we're, getting, we're getting a little bit of a glimpse of like what it was like to be Jesus at this moment in time, but not just with the people of, of, of Nazareth, which was his hometown, not just that the people of Nazareth didn't really believe in him, and we know that they didn't believe in him because he says so here in just a minute, um, or it says so here in just a minute, but you know, not only that, but we're also seeing some stuff going on with his family. You know, and we weren't expecting that. I mean, that's not, that's not baby Jesus in a manger that we love so much and like, let's throw up some lights and, you know, throw up the thing in the yard. You know, that, that's, that's a, this is a whole little different, you know, scenario from what we're used to thinking about. But it's, but it's an incredible picture. I mean, you th- I mean, think about this. Think about this. Think about, think about being one of Jesus' siblings growing up. I mean, like, you could be doing pretty good most of the time, and he's still going to make you look bad. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I mean, I mean, at, at any given point, you, you know, it, and you know, you just, you might just get to the point where you're just like, Jesus, dude, stop brown nosing mom. Like, I mean, can, can you just not like, can you just not like leave it alone and quit telling her how much you love her and how beautiful she is and how she does everything so great and constantly building up and encouraging everybody around us? Can you just like, you know, can we just like have a disc contest for a half second or something? And he's like, I'm so sorry, but I love you. And, you know, I'll continue to try to care for you and encourage you too. You know, I'm sorry if I haven't encouraged you enough. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's Jesus, you know, he's your brother, you know? And, you know, I mean, just, you know, I mean, and then he's a carpenter, you know, what's, what's that look like? Is it like, you know, are you, are you at the local market and, and, you know, you're, you know, you're walking along, looking at all the Jewish built tables and you're like, oh, now look at that. That's a Jesus table right there. That's perfect. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's perfect. He's without sin. He's perfect. And so, you know, this created, this created something for Jesus that I think, I think for a lot of us, I don't think that we think a lot about I don't think that we think a lot about the fact that the people that lived around him, just because maybe he did seem perfect even at times, that they didn't like him. You know, they're like, well, nothing to do with that guy. You know, I can't be like, I can't be like Jesus, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Verse 5, it says, and he could and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. And, and, and I, think, I think that's a big statement. I, I think that's a huge statement. Because I, I, you know, I I, I, you put yourself in the shoes of Jesus, who knows all things. But yet he's still human. And even in this moment, he finds himself marveling at the fact that they can't believe. Why? Why? Because they've seen him do these things. Remember, how are such mighty works done by his hands? They said that. That was from them. 
And, I'm, and, you know, and, and then you take that a step further and think about this. I think this shows some of the emotional side of Christ in the fact that we're seeing him, you know, it, I mean, if he didn't care, he wouldn't have marveled for a second. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have marveled for a second. He'd have been just like, well, okay, you guys aren't buying, I'm, I'm going somewhere else to sell, you know? I mean, but that's not, that's not what we have here. We have him marveling at their unbelief. In other words, he, it, it's rattling to him just for at least a split second that people aren't believing in who he is. Why? Because he cares. You th- think about that for just a minute. I, I mean, I, I, can, I can come at it from a perspective that is flawed, and I think we can all agree, you know, any of our perspectives are going to be flawed compared to Jesus' perspective. But I can come at it from a perspective that is flawed, and that as a pastor that is uh, at a church that is right here in this community, I feel uh, called and, and, and feel a, a burden on, on me and in my heart for uh, the people of this community and the people of this church. And so, you know, therein lies when, you know, I, as oftentimes happens, when I might get to share the gospel with someone, when they choose not to believe, I'm, 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 left, I'm left broken for that. Because I want them to know the Lord. I want them to believe. And Jesus, even in this moment, he finds himself marveled because of their unbelief. It goes on there and it says, and he went about among the villages teaching. He realized they were not choosing to believe and he was going to go on. He was going to go on. You know, he couldn't let that stop his ministry. And I think for some of us sometimes that, that hurts us in our relationships with other people. Like, you know, one person over here, you know, they, they just adamantly, you know, don't want to buy or, you know, believe in, you know, what we're, what we're telling them of who Christ is and what he's done and just how amazing and all this stuff. And, and, it's, and it's disheartening for us when it's somebody that we really care about. And it's easy to go, you know what, you know, I just, I'm no good at this. I don't know enough about it. I, you know, I mean, uh, you know, be, be a, you know, Leanne, how old are you? 19. Be a 19 year old that God is leading you to go to Haiti and tell people about Jesus by yourself for 10 weeks. Try that out. And we're, and we're, and we're like, well, I had a conversation with somebody and it just didn't go that well. And I just don't think I'm good. I'm just, just not good enough to do this. And Jesus is like, no, you know, we just got to keep going. On to the next town, on to the next village. Teaching, telling of the truth, of the gospel, of what God has done, that he did send his baby boy, born of a virgin, for us to come around that thought every year toward the end of the year to celebrate who God is and what he's done, that anyone who would believe could have eternal life. Anyone who would believe would have a relationship with God. And you got to come back to, again, for hundreds of years, these people had been waiting for a king. For hundreds of years, these people have been waiting for a king. They weren't expecting the carpenter, right? 
They, they weren't expecting a guy that might be on the job site, you know, been on a job site. You know, like some of those guys are like, right? <laughs> Imagine working with Jesus on the job site. Hit your thumb with a hammer and say, Jesus, he'd be like, what? What's up? Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Some of you will get it later today when you wake up or something. But even the fact that we see the picture of even Jesus' own family, I mean, you think about like your own family and how much you care for them and how desperately you want them to know the Lord, um, as I do. Uh, that's, that hurts when, when we know that they haven't trusted in the Lord, they haven't chosen to believe, they haven't... You know, God hasn't spoken to their heart. They haven't responded. All those things. And I'm going to bet that the people of Nazareth, by and large, probably thought Jesus was a joke. Probably thought, you know, here's this, here's this guy who claims to be something crazy. And from, you know, and I'm sure the conversations were things like this. Well, you know, can you can you blame the kid? I mean, can you blame him? I mean, from the from the dawn of, of his birth, you know, they've been telling him he was the son of God. You know, I mean, you know, so you know, what do you expect from a kid like that? I mean, you know, why why else should we be surprised? You know, and all this kind of stuff. The question is, I think, for us today, is do we look at Jesus the same way sometimes? Are we guilty at times of seeing Jesus the same as some of those people? And you say, well, no, Chris, I'm a Christian. I've trusted in Christ to be my Savior. I believe in Him. You know, you know all, all of those things. And, and that's great. But maybe, maybe, maybe to spin that question just a little bit is to say, no, what's it look like for us when we put other kings in front of the king of kings. Because, you know, I think that there were probably some of them that they saw the mighty works of his hands and they began to have a little belief. You know, they began to, began to kind of, but the truth is, is they, you know, and, and maybe they were doing what a lot of people do these days with like a good southern Christianity of legalism of, you know, I'll, I'll go to church and be good person and, you know, all of these things, and, and that's going to that's gonna win me with the Lord. He's going to be happy with me because I checked some stuff off the list. And at the end of the day, we know that that's not true. We can't earn our salvation. We only get it through Jesus and believing in Him. Because it's not about how good we are. It's about how amazing He is. And what He's done for us, we can't do for ourselves. We've got a debt to be paid. We got to stand in front of the judge, and the judge is looking at us and going, "You got, you got some debts, and they're all sin." And I'm looking over here, and the and the the punishment for sin is death. And Jesus walks in the room and says, "Hey, I want what they deserve because they've believed in me. I will take their death. I will take it on a cross, and I will shed my blood for their sin." That's what he's done. Isaiah 9, verse 6, it's just felt fitting. It says, For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This, this is Jesus here, by the way. This is Jesus. And it keeps going. Verse 7 keeps talking about the government, which I like. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end, his government, if you notice, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's like no question about it. The, the zeal of the Lord will do this. That's amazing. And I get into conversations, as many of you probably do too, about politics and the government and all this kind of stuff. People say, Chris, are you, are you worried about the government? Are you worried what's coming and all this kind of stuff? And I'll just be honest with you, I, I'm not. And, and not, not to try to sound like overly Christian or something with it. But I just, I just always go back to passages like this and remember this. And I'm like, and the government shall be on his shoulder? On one of his shoulders? You know, like, you know, like we're just going to, you know, government's like right here, just a little bitty dot, you know. Jesus has got this. And, and, and you know, I, I may not be guilty of, you know, worrying about, you know, what's going to happen with the government. I might be guilty of enjoying sinfully other people being worried about the government sometimes you know just being truthful uh but the truth is is that it's all on his shoulders and he's the king of kings and it doesn't matter what he looks like and it doesn't matter if he came in on a chariot of fire or not it doesn't matter if he had amazing robes and amazing crowns because it's the robe and the crown that he would wear in the end that would matter the most. The one given to him by people that didn't even believe. The ones that were the beginning of the suffering that he would endure for you and I to be led to a cross. And in Acts 4, verse 11, we've got this passage that comes from the Old Testament comes from the Psalms, and then Jesus uh, talks about it again. Look at Matthew 21 if you want to check that out later. But Acts 4, we have this again. It says this, says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's it. He is it, and He is the cornerstone. And they thought they would kill Him, and they would roll the cornerstone in front of His grave. And folks, it didn't keep Him. He defeated death on our behalf. And because of that, we have life. As the Son of God, this baby boy born into a manger to rattle the cages of all these people looking for the king and even the people that weren't looking for the king, 
He would be the one. He would be the one that changes all things because of who he was with no sin, the perfect lamb to give his life for us. And so today you might be here and you might be just honestly saying, Chris, I I don't know if I believe in Jesus or not. I hear of things, I've seen things that seem maybe what you want to call magical. (laughs) I've seen the effect that it's had on people's lives around me. I've seen the works of his hands, but I'm just not, I'm just not sure. I'm here to tell you today. God loves you and he sent him because he loves you and he cares for you and he died for you that if you believe in him and trust in him, you shall be saved. God wants to do that for you today. And as we embark on the Christmas season, I pray that we would be reminded of the cornerstone in which Jesus is to our faith. He's not added on to our faith. He is our faith. He is the one we trust in, and it is by Him, as it says, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved is Jesus. Today we'll continue our time of worship together in a response in remembering that through communion, Lord's Supper, And um, I just encourage you today, maybe you would ask yourself the question today, who's Jesus to me? Who, Who is he to me? Is he my king of kings? Or am I guilty of being worried about some other kings of this world? Is he, is he the one that I put all trust in? Is he the one, or am I, am I trying to pick up the pieces and save myself by trying to do a bunch of good stuff? I'll encourage you to be reminded that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He will reign forever. Let's pray together. God, I just pray for us today, God, that you would help us. Help us to believe, help us to trust in you. Not in ourselves, not in what we can do. But God, uh, help us to be faithful. Help us to be who you've called us to be as your people. And Lord, I pray for anybody that's never trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would do that. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Only you can do it. God, help us to care well for one another as you have done for us. God, I pray, Lord, that we would display the love and the character of who you are and what you've done for us in this life. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.